Hey there, you are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Jones, and this is episode number 21, an interview with Lindsay Bentley. You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast for women who want to find clarity of mind, create lasting emotional well-being and confidence, and achieve amazing potential. Come with me. This will be fun. everyone. I hope you're having a great day. I thought I'd change it up a little and do an interview for you on the podcast today. Um, I've been wanting to try this out for a while and one name kept coming to my mind, which was Lindsay Bentley. And you'll hear all about our connection and Lindsay's story in this episode. But I just have to say that I think Lindsay is a superwoman. She will talk about her passion for running as well as some of the challenges and setbacks that she's had with it in this interview. Um, But Lindsay is just someone I really admire and I think you'll enjoy hearing her story and hopefully be inspired like I was after talking with her. Also, sorry if this gets a little choppy in some places, recording and editing this was kind of a learning curve for me, but I definitely want to do more interviews like this, so hopefully I will get all the kinks worked out with practice. All right, I hope you enjoy this interview with the amazing Lindsay Bentley. So um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. Lindsay, I should say, is um, we are related through our, our parents got married a year ago. So tell me about your dad. So my, so my dad is... Um, married to Lindsay's mom. And so Lindsay lost her dad. Was it six years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about your dad a little bit. Um, yeah. So he, he passed away from cancer just like your mom did. And he yeah. was, he was just an avid triathlete and runner and he just had a zest for life and loved to, he just always had a smile. He, he just loved life. He loved people. He just really left a really awesome impression on this earth and on his kids and anyone who knew him just just loved him just loves him he he was he was awesome yeah that's amazing I know our our dads were friends when they were younger and I've heard some pretty great stories about (laughs) about your dad so that's amazing and then yeah I lost my mom a few years later and so um yeah so it's great so our parents um got married and are the cutest you know little little pair for each other and it's been really yeah. fun to get to know um Lindsay's family I loved it we have how many are there of us Lindsay has nine kids in her family and I've got five kids in mine so between the two families there's 70 something people <laughs> Crack, it's such a high number I think there's like 46-ish grandkids between the two of them so it's crazy it is it's a lot of fun it's really fun so yeah. and you're in you're in Colorado, right? Uh, okay, uh, so tell us about yourself. <laughs> so I've been married to my husband for, we've been married for 18 years. We have uh, five kids. Um, we lived in Ohio for a while where he went to dental school and we've been in Colorado for 13 years. And I'm, I'm a mom, run, um, yeah. I, apparently I'm a homeschool teacher now. <laughs> there's a few of us now right (laughs) totally awesome okay so I remember the first time I heard about you specifically was um last year when I think it was right after our parents were talking about getting married and um your mom was leaving to go be with you in Colorado for a surgery and my dad kind of gave me the lowdown so you're a runner right Uh uh-huh 
Okay, tell me about that and then what <laughs> what you're going in for surgery for. Just give me a little background on that. Okay, so um, I well, I was a runner in high school. I ran cross country like with my high school team, and then I went to college and I didn't run for a college team. I just kind of was burned out, so I just ran for fun. And then I got married, and when I got pregnant with my first um, son, I I really just took a ten year break. Honestly, between having babies, being pregnant, nursing, I just kind of stopped running for yeah. It was about ten years, and then. When my dad was diagnosed with cancer, um, a big part of his cancer journey, I guess you could say, was he um, he did a half Ironman with five of my siblings mm-hmm. and qualified to do Kona, and it just kind of it kind of reignited that spark for me to to start running again. So that's my um, fifth, my little boy. He had just been born, and that's kind of when I started getting back into running again. So it kind of reignited that, that passion that I'd had for a lot of years. So nice. yeah, I didn't yeah. realize that you had that 10 year break. That's impressive. To <laughs> come yeah. Back that. yeah, it was kind of nice to have a break. And you know, I actually met some girlfriends out here through church. And um, I think when my kids were little, the connection that I needed with women was, you know, I, I found friends that had similar age children as mine. So we'd meet at the park and we'd go to the library. And that was kind of my connection to other adults. And then as my kids have gotten older, I found that, you know, those kinds of things don't happen as, as frequently, you know, you're not, you're not as in need to go to the park, but it's nice to have the adult interaction. And so I met these three girls here in, in Parker where I live and we started running together and we just really clicked. And it's, it's been like a really good social outlet for me to almost, we just call it our therapy. Like we talk about (laughs) our kids and our church and our stresses. And it's just a nice way to connect with other women and, and just kind of take care of ourselves, you know? So, um, do you want me to just jump into kind of what happened or? I remember hearing that you were going in for surgery and you had some pretty crazy stuff going on that I had never heard of. (laughs) Yeah. Super rare. So I, I would say I was probably in the best shape of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. just done the Phoenix marathon. It was my fifth marathon and I totally, um, I did awesome. Well, so (laughs) background. Okay. So marathon, you know, you get to the end of a marathon. It doesn't matter how well you're trained. Um, it's pretty grueling at those last six, seven miles, you know, you, you're in the pain cave. And so I trained for, I'd never like really done a marathon and like stuck with it till the finish. And so I had been training for Phoenix with these friends for the Phoenix marathon. It was in February of 2018. And I just had these friends that just totally believed in me. Like they just were like, Lindsay, you can totally do this. You can get your goal. You can qualify for Boston. You can, you know, they just had, and I think that that's what made the difference with that marathon. So I, I ran that marathon in February and I would say the last four miles were pretty torturous, like, which is pretty normal. Yeah. <laughs> end of the race, my, um, my legs collapsed. Like I literally crossed the finish line and my legs just fell out from under me. My friend got it on video. And at mm-hmm. the time, thinking, oh, I just ran really hard. My legs were tired. But looking back, I think that my 
legs weren't getting enough oxygen. So anyways, that was in February. And then um, in April, I did the Oceanside Half Ironman. And so I was kind of feeling on top of the world. I got this awesome PR in both races. And then on April 30th, my, um, I went out for a run and I came home. And when I walked up the stairs, my leg was totally dead. Like I, I couldn't, it, it's super hard to explain, but I think the best way to explain it is if somebody like punches your arm and you kind of lose feeling in your arm, like you get a dead arm, you know, you mm -hmm. kind of have out to get the blood in it again. So I told my friend, and I told my friends, um, my leg is totally dead. I don't know what I did. It's so weird. And I took a nap and I woke up and I could still kind of feel that it hurt. So I just stood on my, I didn't like get in my workout clothes, but I just stood on my elliptical and tried to do the elliptical for like two minutes. And I was like, oh, my leg is, we just, I just called it a dead leg. So every morning I'd wake up and I still had this dead leg and we called our family doctor and he's like, oh, you probably have like a pinched nerve in your back. Let's schedule an MRI. And so we, we scheduled an MRI and I went to a chiropractor and a physical therapist and I scheduled a, an appointment with an orthopedic surgeon. And it was, everyone was just kind of baffled, like what's going on? And it was about two weeks later, I, we were going to dinner with my brother and sister-in-law and I think I had a panic attack. I don't really know, but like my, we were, we were driving and my heart just started to race. And I told my husband, like, I think I need to go to the hospital. And he's like, really? Like, are you like, did something change? And I was like, S -s -s there's just something really wrong. And I could mm -hmm. tell that my leg every time, every morning I'd wake up and my friends would text and say, how's your leg? I'm like, I still have a dead leg. And I, if I ran one lap around my block, my foot would turn totally white. So I was taking pictures of it and sending it to my brother-in-law, who's a doctor, and he's like, kind of seems like something's wrong with your blood. So anyways, this is going on for two weeks. I'm like reading all this stuff online. And it, it was, yeah, Saturday night, I just told my husband, I think we need to go to the emergency room. He's like, okay. So we went to the emergency room and I, I could, I was totally fine. I like walked myself in and said, I think I have a blood clot. And the nurses looked at me like, you're crazy. Okay. <laughs> so they brought me back. And, and then one nurse, she was, she came back and she's like, you know, you have the lowest blood pressure in the ER right now that I don't think there's anything wrong, but we'll just do an ultrasound just in case. So they did an ultrasound and I could tell that when they did that, that something was wrong because the nurse got really quiet. And then they came, they came back in and said, we found something, but we need to do a CT scan. So they did a CT and then that's when they found, um, a blood clot in my, it's your external iliac artery. Most people probably don't know where it is, but basically your arteries feed all of, um, the muscles in your body. So they, your arteries go away from your heart and your veins go towards your heart mm -hmm. and most. Well, when you hear about a blood clot, they're almost always in veins. And usually they just give you a blood thinner and then the blood clot will break apart and, and, and the blood will just kind of flow through your body. But when it's in an artery, your arteries, and especially the artery that was, um, that I had the blood clot in it, um, basically stopped all blood flow from getting to my leg. And so then you're, 
at risk of losing a limb. So when I, when the doctors found it, they were like, Oh, we have to get this removed because like it's sort of complicated, but um, my body had built, they're called collaterals. They're just really, they're just extra arteries because my body recognized that there wasn't enough blood getting to my leg. And so my body had built these collateral arteries, which were essentially keeping my leg alive. So they removed the blood clot and um, they put a stent in, so like a little metal tube mm-hmm. in the artery to try and open it up. And that's kind of when they, um, they said you have a disease, it's called endofibrosis of the external iliac artery. And basically it's just scar tissue had built up in the artery and made it really, really narrow. And so the blood couldn't pump through and feed the muscles in my legs. And then I ended up getting that blood clot. So um, after I I got that blood clot, that was May of 2018. um, I started doing a bunch of research and I found that this was kind of a disease unique to mostly male triathletes. (laughs) Oh, I kind of don't fit in that category, but I did find some other runners that had had it and everything that I read pointed to this doctor in Virginia that was um, kind of the specialist, like people had flown from Australia to go see him. He, He just treated athletes mostly and helped people be able to get back to being active. And so I kind of, I found him and I emailed him and he asked for me to mail my CT scans to him. So I did. And he said, yeah, you definitely have endofibrosis. Um, they probably shouldn't have put a stent in, but maybe just leave it and, and see what happens. And my surgeon in Colorado had said, yeah, that stents usually last 10 to 20 years. It could last your whole life. Like, let's just wait and see. So over the next nine ish months, I just kept running, but I just never quite felt like myself. Like my leg would just, it would, if we went up, if I was running up a hill, like needing more oxygen in my legs, my, my leg would go dead. I, it's hard, a hard thing to describe, but basically I just felt like I was dragging my leg. Like I didn't have any oxygen in my muscles. So, um, in February or in March, it was March 1st of 2019. And this is probably right when you met my mom, Mm -hmm. um, we were out for a run and we were, um, it was, we were doing 13 miles and it was probably around mile nine. I remember exactly where we were on the trail and suddenly I couldn't like drag my leg anymore. I was like, Oh, I think I have, I said to my friends, I feel like I have another blood clot. They're like, no way. Like you guys, something feels weird. My friend kept saying, let's just make it to that bridge or make it to that tree. I'm like, I physically can't. <laughs> my, I ca- so we kept walking and they were, they were, we were kind of joking around. I'm like, you guys just go finish. I'll be fine. They're like, who's going to bury your body if we just, <laughs> so we were totally joking around about it. And then I, lo and behold, I went back in, I was like, I was almost positive. It was another blood clot. So I went back into the emergency room and I had another blood clot, but it was in the stent this time. And so that's kind of when we were like, Hey, we need to find the right doctor. And so I emailed that my, my surgeon in Colorado, he was pretty, um, 
pretty blunt and not very personable. I mean, I think he's a great surgeon, but most of his patients are in their 70s and 80s and their goal in life is to like make it to the mailbox. (laughs) Really, like I would go in his like I would take a picture and send it to my family because everyone was like with a walker or (laughs) because most of them have like when you have arterial disease, it's when you're older and And, and I point blank asked him, like, have you seen very many people in your career with this? And he said, oh, I've seen it a couple of times. And so that's kind of when I thought I, I need to be seen by the right person. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I um, emailed that doctor in Virginia again and just said, would you be willing to take on my case? And it was, it was two doctors, uh, Dr. Cherry and Dr. Tracy. And Dr. Tracy was like, Absolutely. And we, we worked everything out of the, over the phone and, um, yeah, just decided to go to Virginia. And the original plan was just to fix my, they could see that I had the disease in both legs. Um, but they just said, we're just going to just treat the left leg that is mm-hmm. symptomatic with that. I had had the blood clots in. So I went in May and they, um, basically she made an incision in my abdomen, like a four inch incision and removed the, the artery and the stent and then just put in, it's called a Dacron graft. So just a fake artery. And she put that in, in it's in the place of the old artery and just removed the old artery. It's crazy. She like took pictures and, um, she, I think it was a really not fun, but kind of unique (laughs) her because she's not used to working on healthy people and yeah. it was she was they they kept telling me your arteries are beautiful you have- <laughs> thank you really? <laughs> but yeah so they removed that artery and put in a new one and then sorry it just keeps getting longer I'm no, trying no, you're to good. the fastest way to tell it but yeah. um, so that was in May and I had to wait six weeks um I, I was in the hospital for five days. So it was a pretty, I mean, they call it a bypass surgery. So it was pretty major surgery. Um, so that was in May. And then six weeks later, I could try to run. And that's really the only way to, to test to see if the new artery works. And when I started to run my left, they had fixed my left side. And when I started to run again, my right side was... Oh dead like just like my left side I was like how can this be happening <laughs> so I called my doctor and told her and sh- and and she said okay well let's let's fly you back out for my I had a post-op surgery or a post-op appointment so I came back to for the post-op and she said yeah you we have we need to fix your right side oh. and so I I um flew back out in July and they did my right side. So at this point I'm thinking, okay, I'm totally fixed. I'm glad that, cause I knew eventually we would have to fix the right side, but the doctor said, let's just wait till you're symptomatic. And, and I think once my left side started having plenty of blood, my right side was like, Whoa, I'm not getting nearly what I, what, what the left side is getting. So that I, mm. I don't, the doctor doesn't even really know why it was asymptomatic and then became symptomatic, but yeah. So 
had that surgery, I was thinking like, okay, I'm totally fixed. This is going to be great. So I had to wait six more weeks before I could try, try to run. And at the six week mark, um, I tried to run and same thing. My right leg was just totally dead. And that's when I kind of was like, oh, is this worth it? Am I just like chasing a pipe dream? <laughs> just like, just so that I could run. But even like, we live kind of on a steep hill and I like to go for bike rides with my kids. And I can't, I couldn't even ride a bike with my seven-year-old without my leg just totally going dead. Or like walking up my stairs, my leg would go dead. And I, 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 we put a lot of prayer into it and I just my doctor was, she said, just come back. I think maybe the disease had traveled further. And so we went back, um, in August. And so the way that she, when she didn't want to make the incision too big in my stomach. So, um, basically when she, it, it, she just was eyeballing it, I guess is the best way to describe <laughs> it. So when she originally cut out the artery, she cut all the way down to where the artery looked healthy again. So okay. she said with my artery was, it was really diseased and had all the scar tissue in it, in the external iliac. And that's where she cut it out and put the new one in. And then I had just a really small, healthy spot. And then when it got down to my femoral artery at the top of my leg, it got there was disease in there again. And so, um, after I did a bunch of more scans and then, and then she said, I think that this is what's happening. So I want to go in this time through my groin and see what the femoral artery, it's just so hard. I think with scans, Mm -hmm. they really just can't see. So she opened me back up through my groin and then she found that, yeah, the disease had traveled further down into the femoral artery. So she did the same thing on, on the, just the very top portion of my femoral artery on my right side. And she just cut the disease out and replaced it with, with the graft. And so that was in August. And so at this point I'm kind of on pins and needles, like, is this going to even work? Like, why did I go through all this? And, and then in, it was October 4th. I still remember um, I got to try to run and yeah, I, when I started to run, that was kind of like, ah, oh, you know, that <laughs> I couldn't tell if the surgery worked. I had to wait, you know, she wanted the artery to completely heal and my incision to heal before I could, could try. And so I, on October 4th, I was able to do my first run and I had been walking a lot. She said I could walk as much as I want. And so mm-hmm. I had been, but so yeah, I did a three mile run that day and it felt amazing. I was really emotional and yeah. And so ever since then, I've just been trying to slowly build back up my fitness and feeling healthy and yeah. So I have three, three new arteries and yeah, I'm just running like crazy now. And my, (laughs) I kind of like, I need, sometimes I need someone to tell me to take a chill pill, but my doctor, you know, she just said, you just live your life. Just do whatever you want. That's why you had the surgery, you know, so that you could run and you could be active and go hiking and do all those things. So, so awesome. I saw that you just ran what 30 over 30 miles on Saturday. <laughs> yes, I know. It's crazy. Like, oh, that's slowly breaking back in. <laughs> I know. Building up to that. We were just laughing. We're like, how did she run 30 miles in one day? <laughs> oh, 
crazy, but it, you know what? It was so fun. We were like out in nature and on trails and it was, it, it was, was awesome. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was so fun. So what, so you ended up having how many surgeries within a year? So I had eight surgeries. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Like the three to replace my arteries. And then I had two thrombectomies to remove the blood clots. And then I got a hematoma. So like a big mm -hmm. blood mass after my first surgery. And so they had to go back in. And then in November, she, it was another surgery to try and it, it, she released the ligament on my left side so that the disease didn't travel into the femoral artery on that side. So it's kind of, that is crazy. That's a lot on your body. Eight I, surgeries I, in a year. <laughs> oh, I had honestly never had any surgeries up to that point. Any, I mean, I had had, I've had a colonoscopy and that was mm -hmm. it in my life. So I'm like, my body just, it went through a lot, but hopefully it's all behind me now. And yeah. <laughs> So tell me, what were your, what was your biggest fear during all of it? What was, what were your biggest challenges during that time? Oh, oh man. Um, well, of course, in the beginning, like I would say my biggest fear was um, the surgery not working. And after several times going back to Virginia and having another surgery and, you know, coming back disappointed, I think towards the end, my, I would say my biggest worry was just that, um, sorry, I feel all emotional, but, um, I just really, at that point, I felt like I just wanted God to help me be happy, no matter the income, the outcome of my mm -hmm. situation. Now, sometimes when you just have these expectations, like I'm going to have these surgeries and I'm going to be fixed. I'm going to be just like my old self and I'm going to be able to run. And after so many attempts and kind of failures, I just, I kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I, I just need to be able to be happy with the life that I have instead of the life that maybe I expected or wanted or, so I think that was probably the hardest. I'm not a very patient person. And so mm -hmm. after a lot of, yeah, just failures, I kind of, it was hard for me to just really just put my trust in heavenly father and just to say, okay, heavenly father, just help me be happy no matter what happens because I have a great life, you know, and yeah. I thankful for it. it was just this one, I just couldn't run. I couldn't be, you know, and, and even though that is a big part of my life, I just, I feel like I reached the point where I was kind of just had to completely put it in God's hands. So I think that was probably the hardest part of everything, you know, just putting my trust out of myself and just saying, okay, I don't have control over this and everything will work out how it's supposed to, you know? Yeah. That, and it's one thing to say that like, oh yeah, you just have to like turn your will over to God's and, or to tell people that like, you just have to trust, but it's a whole nother thing. Yeah. When it's like your situation oh, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's, it is, it's, it's hard. It's easy to like, yeah, it's easy to look at your life and say, I have everything. Like my kids are healthy. I have a great husband. I have a beautiful home. We have a job, you know, but why am I not happy with this? It's so easy to like see all that stuff and a whole nother thing to, to really make yourself like, it's okay. Just be happy, you know? Yeah. Like, and to just kind of let go of what you thought life would be like or what you, yeah. Like what you said about expectations. I think that's huge. It's that's, that's like the whole, the biggest part of faith, I think, is just to be able to yeah. do that. So, yeah. Yeah. So what, um, 
what did help you during that time? Because I saw you in like last July, right? That was the big wedding yeah. and, and you were just totally happy. And like, I would have never guessed, <laughs> I would have never known. Oh. You would have had six surgeries, six weeks earlier and going into another one. So how, what kept you, um, you know, what kept you going? What kept you optimistic and all that during, during all this? Okay. I would say a couple of things. First, my husband, he just was amazing. Just, I don't think a lot of husbands would support what Chris did for me last year. I mean, flying to Virginia and the expense of that. Luckily, our we had a lot of miracles happen with our insurance and but he really just wanted just wanted to support me in whatever needed to happen. And he was just I would cry to him and he was just kind of like my rock, like it's going to be better. I just I just know it. I have <laughs> You know, like I was like, are we chasing a pipe dream? Like, do I really want to go back and have another surgery? And he was just like this point of positivity, you know, and, and also my, my girlfriends, they were just so like before every surgery, they'd bring over a little goodie bag and they would come. I, I was pretty bedridden for a little bit and they would come and sit in my bed with me and cry with me and. I, I just think the support system that I had was just really got me through. And of course, you know, Heavenly Father, I just, mm -hmm. lots of praying, lots of, I, I would say I was maybe a little bit, not angry, but like, why is this happening? You know, like, yeah. I think sometimes in life we tend to think like, if I live a good life and I make good choices and I do things that I know I'm supposed to do, then then nothing bad will happen to me, you know, but I think I just finally had to like say, not that I was angry with God, but I was kind of like, why, what did I do wrong that, that I had to yeah. have, this, you know, right. And I, I, it was, yeah, again, that August was kind of a big month. I, I started a journal and every time I would see a quote that spoke to me or that really like helped me see positivity, I would just write it down. So I have this journal that just has Lots of, and every time I look back on it, I could even read the quotes differently now than I did then, but I just, I just tried to find positivity in life, you know, mm -hmm. like what Heavenly Father trying to teach me. I need to, and you know, as I was kind of, um, you know, writing these quotes down, I really, I think I learned that of course, no one is without trials in this life, first of all. And and also we just, we don't get to pick what our heart is, you know, and I would look at other people's heart and hands down, mine was so much easier, you know, like people losing their spouse to cancer or, you know, children that have um, made bad choices and, you know, parents struggling with that, you know, and I just think there could be so many things that are worse than this. So it's okay. This is my heart and I can... You know, I just really just had to, yeah, put my trust in Heavenly Father, like I said again, and and yeah, just my support system around me was just awesome. So oh, that's so great. So you yeah. kind of talked about what you learned from what did you learn about yourself from all this? <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I I've learned that I am not patient for <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, my mom has always told me, Lindsay, you're not patient. <laughs> I, that Heavenly Father continues to give me trials that test my patience, but no. Um, <laughs> we all get those. <laughs> yeah, no. So I, I think I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to, um, 
figure out what Heavenly Father wants me to learn from all this. But um, I ha- my mom gave us these, this was several years ago. She had engraven on these little rocks um, a trait, a personality trait. It was for me and all of my siblings. And um, on my rock, it says determined. And this was like several years mm-hmm. ago. And I've always kind of felt like, really? Like, am I, I mean, I guess I'm kind of a determined person, but after going through all this, I think that that is, I've kind of realized like, yeah, if you put your minds to something and you want something bad enough, you can make it happen. You know, I just was determined to like, just keep fighting, keep trying one foot in front of the other. And so even though my mom had already told me I was determined, I think that this was a good, I kind of learned like, yeah, I am kind of a determined person. Like if, if I want, if I want something, I'm willing to work really hard to, to make it happen, you know? So, so yeah, I think I've probably learned some good and some bad about myself. I think that's awesome. I think that's a huge, that's a really important trait. That's a, you know, it's a great one that not a lot of us have to just keep pushing forward in the face. And I think like when you have trials like that, it can really show you, you know, what you're made of and that you can do things that you never thought you could do, you know, that you have that in you. So that's awesome. I love it. Anything else you learned that you want to share about Um, anything in general? (laughs) Um, Really, you know, I, I, I kind of said this before, but just, um, my, I feel like my relationship with my husband really, I, it just made me see him in a different light, just how mm-hmm. he sacrificed a lot to, to help me be happy and to support my goals and my dreams. And, you know, he didn't just say like, oh, well, I guess, you know, after my very first or it was the second blood clot my the surgeon I was kind of like well can I run like to do Boston can am I can I do that in six weeks and I remember this surgeon said to me you should probably never run again and you should just be a swimmer is what he said and um I feel like that was pretty disheartening to hear and and, and I just feel like my, my husband could have taken the path and been like, like find another, find another passion or do something different. Or, you know, you don't have to, why do we have to go to all this trouble to get you fixed? And, you know, the financial burden or me leaving work or, but he, he just really stepped up and, and supported me in, in what was important. And it was important to him too. So I feel like I, some, yeah, I just, I just learned how how awesome my husband is. He just, <laughs> he would just, he was just awesome. So that's amazing. I think that's neat too. Like you talked about your support system and when you're in a situation like that, you hear a lot that it's, it's a lot harder to receive, you know, you don't, you would rather be on the helping end than the one needing to yeah. be helped. And yeah. I think I've been in that situation too. And it just, it reminds you like how much, how important it is to support each other. Right. So like when, when somebody else is in need, how much, your support will mean to them. And that's a lesson that I've learned. And it sounds like, you know, that you have that great support and just how much that meant to you. Like, really, if that's what got you through, you know, it just kind of shows like how powerful we can be in each other's lives. I think. Yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, kind of along those lines, my mom too, just, I could just like almost feel her worry every time we talk on the phone after my surgeries. And yeah, she was just willing to like drop everything to come be with the kids. Like I, I actually, before my third surgery, I was there alone and 
Chris was going to, my husband was going to stay here and work because he had already missed so much work. And, and I called my mom from the hospital after this, the doctor had said, yeah, let's go back in. We're going to go into your femoral artery. And I started crying and my mom's like, I'm calling Chris right now. He, I'm going to come out there with you. And so she called Chris and he decided to, to come to Virginia. And my mom flew here the next day. And that happened several times. Like after I had my blood clot, she was yeah in Costa Rica with Mark, with your yeah. dad. <laughs> um, and like the next day, you know, she's like, we're coming. And every time I talk to her, she's like, we put your name on the prayer roll. And, and, you know, she actually yeah. told that you should hear Mark's prayers that mm-hmm. when he so specifically, and she just said, he just loves you. And it, it is, it, it makes such a big difference when you have a support system around you that, you know, people are cheering for you. They're praying for you. They're, and sometimes I felt like other people's prayers were going to be more powerful than my own, you know, so mm-hmm. it really helped get me through everything. So that's I, awesome. I, yeah. 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 Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I know your name kept coming to my head. So somebody out there needs to hear your story. And I love listening to, it. I've never heard all the details. So I've heard little snippets here and there. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I, I, I've also learned too, I know you talk a lot about like the power of the mind and, and I, I kind of have learned that over this last year too, that just like our minds are so powerful, you know, we just need, put that positivity forward and use it and, you know, use that to help overcome the things that we think are impossible, you know? So. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> love to hear that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. Hopefully it wasn't, it wasn't too boring and. No, I thought it was fabulous. It was super great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lindsay. All right. Well, I'll let you go. Okay, I told you, she's amazing. I had several takeaways from that interview, and again, I'm always just really inspired by Lindsay's optimism and her determination, and just her love for other people and for life. I think she's got a lot of her dad in her, Um, and she's a great example of how our mindsets and our attitudes can really influence the way we experience the challenges that are kind of thrown our way. So again, thank you, Lindsay. I loved that interview, and to all of you, thanks for listening. I will see you back here again soon. If you like what you hear on this podcast and would like to learn more, I invite you to check out my website at motherhoodelevated.com. There you can sign up for a free mini session to see what working with me looks like, as well as find information on classes I offer or get on the list for some weekly inspiration straight to your inbox. Again, that's motherhoodelevated.com. Have a great week.